Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thank you for downloading this week's edition of the Attacking Scrum podcast. This week, it is, of course, a Lions reaction special, and we've assembled a very strong lineup, uh, harnessing the power of four. Uh, we've got Ollie Deuce with us tonight. Hello there, chaps. All right, Ollie. Um, joined by Dav as well. Evening. Uh, back for your fourth cap now? Fourth cap. Fourth cap. Misty. Yeah, this is it, though. This is where the press starts to get on your back. You know, the honeymoon period is over from here on in. Dan's with us. He'll tell you that. Good evening, boys. Uh, how are we doing? Not too bad at all. Good stuff. Bad. And uh, true to form, there's not a Scott in sight amongst us, so um, that's pretty reflective of how the squad's gone. Right, we're going to jump uh, jump straight into it. Just want to get your fellas' uh, initial reactions on it. Ollie, start with uh, start with you. First uh, thoughts. Yeah. Um, after all of the sort of press and rumours and stuff that were flying around. Um, Particularly around the Jamie Roberts thing, really, really got me going. Um, and then obviously he wasn't in, um, which kind of makes sense now. I, 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 there aren't that many shocks there for me. Mm. I think most of those people you'd expect to go. He's taken a few more people, I think, than was expected. Obviously, I think it's forty-one, isn't it, yeah. rather than the, the usual thirty-seven. So, I mean, you could make an argument that there's a few people there who perhaps you wouldn't have necessarily thought would have gone, but have sort of snuck in there. But overall, fairly pleased with the squad. I think it's a strong, strong outfit. Yeah, I mean, when you start looking at the names that are on there, that's that's a hell of a squad of players, isn't mm-hmm. it? There's some real talent mm-hmm. there. What about you, Dan? Just kind of initial gut reaction when you've when you've seen the squad. Yeah, really pleased. I think there's a couple of surprise inclusions. Probably Biggers, fairly lucky to be there, mm. but he is a Test match animal. Moriarty's been mentioned as a surprise, but it's, it's no surprise to me. Um, Halfpenny's was always going to go for me um, JD I think is lucky um, but yeah very very pleased strong squad what about you Dav I mean, you're probably the biggest advocate of this squad out of all of us I think yeah you? I think that's the. I think it's the best squad the Lions have assembled in the professional lever um, and you know the task is enormous but I think we've got the best 
tools um, on the plane to give us a go. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I think that's it. Is the headlines have been kind of dominated in the last couple of days with surprise inclusions and exclusions, and then leaks and whatnot. Subsequently, the squad's been announced, and it's it's kind of there's been a bit of anti Welsh sentiment out there, and you know, has Gatlin got his favourites? Scott's being overlooked, but the reality is, I think if you were to look at it from a solely unbiased point of view, which is hard to do, he's a really, really bloody strong squad, isn't it? Unbelievable. I think you look at the the world's rankings today, the IRB, England a second, Ireland a fourth, Scotland a fifth, maybe we'll go over that quickly, and Wales (laughs) are eighth. But, you know, I think, you know, Wales were, you know, couple of hairs away from getting a very, relatively decent performance in the Six Nations. So I think, you know, it's the strongest mm. our teams have been performing. And, you know, going down to New Zealand, who are overwhelmingly favourites. But, you know, I think what I like about this squad is Gatlin's pick combinations. You know, six boys from Saracens, the most mm. successful club side in world rugby yeah. for the last five years. Um, they picked a strong Welsh core, which I think there isn't time for people to get to know each other. And actually, the strong core of the Saris boys plus the Welsh team who run them close, and then that glittering of Irish stardust, you know, for me, points to a good tour. Do you not think you've been a, the Welsh have been a little bit lucky here in terms of some of those people who Yeah, I think, I think the Welsh mm. have suffered... We, we did a podcast on this a few months back, didn't we, Dan, where we said, how are Welsh players potentially going to miss out on the Lions because of how badly Wales are playing? And I think... They haven't. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's the yeah. upshot of it all. Is you look at it, and a load of those, you know, vir- virtually all of those kind of Gatlin favourites are, are pretty much in there. So, yeah, I do. I, I think particularly the backs, they're very lucky. But again, to to go back to it, to Dav's point about not having time to assemble a, a side, this is an invitational outfit. Howley's going to be the backs coach. So the reality is, is he's going to need some players who he knows. So I'm kind of not that surprised but yeah I, I would agree there's a few that are, that are quite lucky on there we're going to get into kind of the, the nitty gritty in a minute there's always shocks with uh, with Lions um, announcements and earlier on I caught up with Murph to see what uh, what he thought the, the biggest shocks were Evening Murph Hiya mate okay yeah really good how are you doing uh, very well. I'm, uh, I've had a day off because um, my wife's away at work and my daughter's home, so I've been glued to the announcements all day you and, the, and the fallout from the announcements. This is it. You didn't you didn't book the day off specifically because you thought there might be no. a call up in the offing. Or... I'm, <laughs> I'm not that uh, sad enough <laughs> of an individual to book the day off, especially. But um, if I had been in work, I definitely wouldn't have been concentrating much. So, well, that's uh, that's uh, good. Good to know you. Um... You took the time off so you could immerse yourself in it then. <laughs> right, what, uh, what we wanted to chat to you about is what you think the, the biggest shocks have been. So, again, never uh, never short of an opinion. What do you think um, <laughs> what do you, what well, do you think those shocks have been, Murph? Well, the, the build, there was a lot of, um, as it turns out, misinformation going around in the build-up to the announcement. People like, uh, you know, I think you tweeted something about Jamie Roberts is going to be picked. And I, also named a, I did also name a source on it, to be fair. I said, uh, I said it was according to Sky Sports, who have subsequently uh, you know, yeah, so very sheepish. Turns out they were doing it to put people off the scent of the, because obviously they, they, they had rights to the announcement yeah. uh, uh, press conference and obviously rights to the tournament, the the series as well, so they were obviously feeding just to drum up uh, interest, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was rumours that 
Jonathan Joseph was going to miss out. Yeah. And there was rumours that um, Joe Launsbury was going to miss mm. out, which everyone was like, well, surely not. And then, lo and behold, he misses out, which for me, I think, is the, the biggest shock because the, the, well, we, me, you and I and Dan were picking off a 37-man squad, and he's yeah. actually, uh, in, in reality, gone with 41, which means you'd think there'd be room for... Uh, Joe Launchbury for an extra second row to be in the squad. Um, so he's lost out, I think. He's, I mean, people will say he's lost out to um, Henderson from... Uh, the, uh, what's his first name? Ian Henderson. Ian Henderson. Uh, and I, I, personally, I think it's Courtney Laws. Courtney Laws, I mean, the only thing I would say he's got the edge on uh, Launchbury for is maybe line-up work, middle of the line-up jumper, mm. you know, tall guy. But otherwise... I mean, he's been man of the match most games he's played for England this season, uh, Launchbury, and uh, Laws hasn't. So I know it's not just purely down to that, but I, 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 I've said this to you before, I think, off air. I, I, Courtney Laws is a really good player so long as Xavier Rush is not on the pitch. Yeah. And the thing is, New Zealand have probably got quite a few Xavier Rushes <laughs> knocking about. So um, history, history would tell us they have plenty of Xavier Rushes knocking about. <laughs> yeah, so just give them four, four caps and then let them leave. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I, I still, aside from Lawrence the, the unluckiest player I'd say in the, in the British Isles. Okay, that's, um, if that's the, the kind uh, of the shot. Equal, so, so, so is Johnny Gray. I would add as well. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I find it quite strange then that. You know, given the strength in depth that we have in second rows, the balance of back row versus second row that he's taken, especially mm. given that a couple of those second rows can play in the back row as well. Yeah, but maybe they've just gone with like a. I mean, usually on match day you can have two on the pitch, one on the bench. Mm. So at any one time, if they take five at any one time, there's two resting at all times, and maybe they just want to keep that kind of scenario going throughout the tour, uh, the tour but um, and also maybe they think the tour is going to be really intense on the back row forwards so they've taken maybe say eight eight back row forwards yeah, that's right. uh, and I mean you, there are, there's going to be three on the pitch at any one time so I suppose you could argue then that they've got three on the pitch one on the bench and four resting at any one time I, I, I don't know but um, it's, I didn't expect this obviously Ross Moriarty is a surprise inclusion which means Wales has ended up with four back row mm. forwards on the tour so uh, and no, no English flankers have made the um, made the tour, which I thought Haskell might. But um... yeah, I, I think he's you know he's probably he's missed out on having not had a huge amount of rugby in the Six Nations. Is probably where I think he slipped down the pecking order. Mm-hmm. Whereas obviously Moriarty and uh, you know one area that Wales back row went you know one area that Wales went well was the back row. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't uh, based on the. the the Six Nations, you you would take Moriarty mm-hmm. instead of Haskell, but I I picked I put um, Haskell in my selection that we that I emailed you uh, when you were doing the uh, selection special with Dan. Uh, I, I picked Haskell because of I thought he was amazing in Australia last mm-hmm. last summer, and the, like Falatau and like a few other players, he's had a nice um, restful <laughs> Six Nations in that he hasn't had too many minutes. And so he'll be fresher than most coming into the um, uh, coming into the Lions tour. And um, an- another one who I think is um, a- a- what Gatland had um, talked about in the uh, uh, press conference after the announcement today is a big character, and also not afraid to put it about. You know. 
Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a fair point. If they're the surprise exclusions, who do you think is the, the, the lucky players then, the, the kind of surprise inclusions? Uh, it's John Davis. I mean, uh, I, I, I sound like I, I might be picking on him after last mm. week. I didn't say <laughs> impressed. But, I mean, if you, if you look at John Davis now, like this season right now, compared to John Davis and the 2013 tour to Australia, he's a shadow of him for himself. Yeah. So, I mean, he's just not doing, he's not doing the business. He's not, he's not, he wouldn't, I don't think he'd get into any of the other home nations squad, uh, starting lineup. And yet he's on the Lions tour. Why ask that so, um, then? I don't know. Um, <sighs> Well, again, we, we were picking 37, so he wouldn't get into a 37-man squad. Mm. But if you're taking 41, then there's, there's more room. But I, I would have had Gary Ringrose. I'll tell you another one. It would probably come back too late. Is Duncan Taylor? Mm. <clears throat> um, if he'd have had a full season, he might have uh, he might have kept uh, John Davis out of the squad. But um, Scotland have been <laughs> really harshly judged today. I think. Well, that's the last thing I wanted to wanted to ask you about. His social media has been full of. Uh, Scotland fans kind of feeling quite hard done by, which mm. uh, which I kind of, you know I kind of understand. Is it just mm. a, a question of circumstance though that a lot of their best shouts have been injured? Do you think? Well, I I, I, I had Finn Russell, Johnny Gray, and Tommy Seymour's already in the squad. Mm. Yeah, I, I had four in. I mean, I, you're not going. They were never. They were never going to have ten. You know, yeah. but. Um, uh, like I mentioned, Duncan Taylor, if he'd had a full season, he might, he might have featured. And WP Nell is another one. That have, I mean, he hasn't played at all yet. But yeah. if he'd have been playing, I think he might have got the nod over Carl Sinclair, maybe, just because he's a really strong scrummager. And yeah. the, the, the selection of this squad clearly shows that they're going after the New Zealand front five, you know, in the, in the test matches. So he might have got the nod. But, um, yeah, it, I, I, I suppose uh, if, if you put your non- Welsh hat on a lot of people, uh, Scotland, Ireland, England, they'll be surprised at Dan Bigger's selection mm. as well, which I probably, I would have, I personally would have gone for Finn Russell instead, but th- I think they're going for controlling outside halves, you know, rather than creative, because George Ford hasn't figured either. Yeah. I think it, it kind of does show the, um, it does show the game plan that he's going for with that, with that personnel he's picked, and, you know, I think if you or I were picking it, we'd have a few more, a few more exciting players in there, but, um, it's clear he wants to try and arm wrestle the games. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that in recent years, the team that's pushed New Zealand more than uh, anyone else is South Africa. And they've done it by being monsters up front. So if he's going that way, then I, I, I well, if it works, <laughs> all well and good. Um, people say these days, you've got to score four tries, you've got to score four tries. But uh, South Africa... If, they, if South Africa was scoring four tries against New Zealand, it was from bludgeoning them yeah. up front. So um, we'll see. Can't wait. All right, Murph. Just quick prediction then before we finish. I know we're a long way out, but how do you see the uh, how do you see the tour? Well, I mean, three uh, nil to New Zealand is slightly odds on with the bookmakers. Yeah. So I would be overjoyed overjoyed with any any Test win would be amazing. Fair enough. I think that's a, I think that's a decent chat. Uh, mm. Always good to catch up, Murph. We'll uh, we'll pursue this closely as the uh, as the weeks carry on, and we'll certainly chat to you next week. So that was the thoughts of the mighty Murph there. Kind of coming back to this to this shock element. 
I think most of us are in agreement that that Joe Launchbury is probably the unluckiest to to miss out on this. Ollie is an English Wasps fan. <laughs> I suppose you're the the most balanced out of all of us. But you've you know you'll have seen him play more than more than anyone. Yeah, I mean. Obviously, I watch a fair bit of him each week. Really playing playing for Wasps, and he's just been playing incredibly well. He's really stepped up um, when sort of the likes of Cruz, who has got in, has been injured this season. He was phenomenal in the autumn, although he got banned mm-hmm. right at the end of it. I think he picked up a man of the match back then over the autumn, um, and he certainly picked up, I think, a couple of man of the matches in the Six Nations. And I, I think Farrell got voted our best player, but frankly, it could have been him. So I think if you just look purely on form mm. you've got to say he's pretty unfortunate to be there so I you know I've, a couple of weeks ago was singing his praises and I mm. think totally agree Launchbury's been on incredible form and certainly very prominent around the park so it, it was a bit of a puzzler for me and the only logic I could see behind it is when he's picky as locks he's been really clear in sort of the loose head and the tight head lock mm. so if I look across the board the number five is your loose head lock Alwyn Jones um, Cruz and Henderson are the mm. clear ones there. So then it's about partnerships. And launch brief for me looks like he predominantly plays at four for yeah. Wasps. He Atoji is by far away England's best scrummaging second row. So he'd be in the four shirt for me ahead of him, mm. which is unfortunate for launch because he's been great. But I think that's how good Atoji is. And then, you know, the way he's been unlucky, I think, is probably Courtney Laws plays in the four jersey as well. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's the one for me that's that's slightly perplexing I guess um, and there's been a bit of chat today about you know what about Richie Gray what about Johnny Gray well Johnny Gray wears five he's not getting above Alan Jones he's not getting in ahead of Cruz and he's not getting ahead of Henderson the only person who could feel aggrieved from Scotland at all would be Richie Gray having toured last time mm-hmm. and being that big presence but I don't think this is the end of Joe Lodge beyond the Lions We'll see him again. I said there's an interesting one there Dav I mean it's it's a position you don't tend to talk about in those terms as punters that often do you know what I mean it's it's something that doesn't get offered that much you always talk about you know wanting a balance in the back row and everyone knows the difference between a tight end and a loose head prop in the in the second row it's perhaps something we don't drill down on often enough is it that clear cut because I mean I I think out of all of those out of all of those players I, th- I think Laws is the lucky one to, to be in there really and I think that with the sheer form that Launchbury's been on, I don't know, I'm not entirely sure what I message he's kind make, of sent out. Although they wear mm. different numbers, I think you could make an argument for Laws and Henderson being a similar mm. sort of player. And so whether or not... Yeah, whether or not you need both of those guys in there or not. I mean, both either of the guys could do a job at six. That's sort of where Laws... Are, although there was a lot of hoo-ha about... Atoji playing six mm. for us over the Six Nations. I mean, none of them are increasingly. Going to play, none of them are going to play six in a no. Test match, are they? Ultimately, it's only going to be a midweek game. No, but I think the one thing for me, the guys talked today, and Roundtree's been on the radio this afternoon about what did you look for in a player, and they talked about having that aggression. Mm. And I think the one thing that Laws maybe brings a slightly ahead of Launchbury, who's a much silkier player, he is aggressive at the tackle. He's an yeah. enforcer. And I yeah, think yeah. they look for that, especially midweek. You've normally got an opinion or two on Courtney Laws, then. Well, I've said in the past, yeah, I don't like the fact that he picks on the small boys. Yeah, but he. But to be fair, if def- he gets into Bowden and Barrett yeah. early on in the test, yeah. I'm like, I'm, exactly, they, they all change. Probably then, will have one eye out on him clattering into someone. Mm. He is a hard, niggly bastard, basically, mm. isn't he? And, and you know, Launchbury isn't that. He gives absolutely everything, and you can't you can't knock him for it. But um, Courtney Laws offers something different, and we have to have different 
different things, don't we? Let's not forget as well that um, he couldn't get in the side. Uh, he couldn't get in the England side, could he, yeah. up to a point? So, you know, I... he, he couldn't. But yeah, I mean, I, I think he's he's more than proven his worth in that in that position. I mean, you're right; he's only really in there because England had no back rowers there to resort to picking Itoji at six. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's and his, his, work, his work rate's enormous, isn't it? But Alan Wynn you know, can, can, can he out? Well, he, I suppose he has. He has done, hasn't he? He's outplayed him at times, but. Um, I don't think uh, I don't think it's, it's the wrong it's, it's the right call for me anyway that he's not included. You, I don't know, you do think it's the right call. Yeah, you? I do think it's. I'm, I'm more than yeah. happy with it with the second row choices. Okay, he'll, he'll go out as well. Yeah, I think that's the thing is there's there's going to be there's going to be injuries along the way. I think like we said, you know, we're we're tipping Scott Andrews to get out and, and play for the Lions <laughs> at some point, which is something I think we can all look forward to. And there are a few. There's a there's a few sort of positions here in this squad, aren't there? I think there, there's some some areas where, that were obviously stronger than others. But there's other areas like lock where it's just like there are just too many good players, and mm. just like, there just aren't enough spaces. You you can make an argument either way. You could say the same thing potentially about. I, I think they've got the hookers right, but I think you could still make an argument for Hartley being there. You know, there's arguments for and against. He's going to be holiday, isn't he? In, uh, in yeah. New Zealand, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. he actually is, isn't he? He'll touring on, oh, in yeah. Argentina now. Although there's an argument, you, actually, no, he needs the game time. He'll be, yeah, he'll be yeah, leading. I think, I think, he, yeah, his, his response on Twitter <laughs> wasn't it said there's work to be done in Argentina. Yeah. I was like, well, better make that squad first. <laughs> yeah, he, he might not be there. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's safe to say he'll be, uh, <laughs> he'll be on that. He'll be on that tour. Right then, what about um, kind of the the luckiest player to be on the to be on the plane? Murph said it was it was John Davis in his uh, in his eyes. What do you reckon, Dav? Hundred percent half penny. Yeah. I think since since his injury a couple of years ago, and we talked about it last week, he hasn't got back to full fitness and he seems to have lost a yard of pace. We've got two of the best goalkeepers in the world at ten plus and then and then you've got Sexton as well. So actually three really strong goal kickers on the tour already. Apart from his kicking, I don't know what he adds at fifteen, and I think he's incredibly lucky. Dan Killick. Yeah, for me, his, his positional play is absolutely spot on. We talk about Hoggy a lot. Mm. Um, he's got defensive frailties. He's all over the park in terms mm. of his positional play. Um, Halfpenny's defensively very, very strong, and his kicking is brilliant. And we've got, if, if we look at who we're taking, we're taking four or five of the best goal kickers out there. If we put New Zealand under pressure, they will make mistakes. And we need to look at the midweek team as well. We've got to build momentum on that. If we start losing those games, the press will be on us, and it'll start. It can start getting on top of people. So maybe you know, maybe he wouldn't. He won't start a fifteen. I actually think he's got a bloody good chance of, of starting a fifteen. But if he is going to be in that midweek team, it'll be it'll be slotting those slotting those goals, and it's needed. What about you, Ollie? What do you make of Lee Halfpenny's inclusion? Um, yeah, he's very lucky for me. Um, I think just echoing what the boys have said that if. If you take away his goal kicking, mm. when you look at the the other players there that are in the squad that have been picked in the back three, there's some hugely exciting talent there, and there's a lot of sort of running threats and all the rest of it. Um, I, I can't see how unless unless Farrell, for whatever reason, doesn't make the test team. And then you start having to think about, well, do we tr- trust Sexton's goal kicking enough? And I therefore, do we, it, do we need to do a Neil Jenkins yeah. and sort of squeeze him in somewhere to get his goal kicking mm. in there? But yeah. for me, he's not in the top three 
back play, back three players there in terms of what they offer in attack, which is what I want from them. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to come down. If, if we're to beat them, it's going to be it's going to come down to very fine margins, and there are very very exciting players. But to beat, in my opinion, to beat New Zealand, we're going to have to keep it very tight, keep our tactical kicking spot on. We've got a positional play has got to be right there. If we think we can outscore them, I think we're 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 in we're in for a hiding. So I had a little bit of a look at this this morning, and actually, I'm pretty depressed because since 2005, when they they stuffed us. Hmm. Not only have they won, uh, let me get the stat, it's, uh, it's frightening. Not only have they won 88% of all their games since we played them last, they've only lost twice at home. So, both times in Dunedin. So, is there a test match in Dunedin no. this time? No, no I don't believe there is. one in the South Island. No, no yeah, test, test matches so are around. They've, um... they've moved it away from the bogey <laughs> space. But the commonality, Ireland obviously have beaten them in the autumn, scored mm-hmm. five tries, 40 points to 29. Australia have beaten them. 27-19. Uh, again, this is at home for Australia. Three tries. The team to beat them away. South Africa won in Dunedin. 27-25. Three tries. Um, and then the other one was looking... And France have beaten them down there in Dunedin. But yeah. I think you've got to score tries against them. And I think, you know, having someone as conservative as Halfpenny at fullback won't do that. Last summer, Liam Williams tore them to shreds in those yeah. three tests. And I think if we'd had England's bench... And the Welsh 15 on that day, we could have done some damage. 100% agree. I've been saying from the outset, really, that I just don't think, yes, you're going to need a, a solid goal kicker in there to kick to kick your kicks. I'm not worried about Owen Farrell. I've seen him have one off day yeah. in recent years, which it's is not, it's not yeah. Italy. <clears throat> not just yeah. about the goal kicking, though, it's, it's, we, we can't underestimate his positional play. And that, that's something that no, none of you have mentioned. No, it's, it's a fair it's point. It, is, it is brilliant. But at the same time, what's the point in having someone who's positionally perfect if all he's going to do is kick it back down their throats? Because if we kick back loose to New Zealand, they will break through. You know, you cannot keep them out. It's something that served Wales so well over the number of years because we can defend so stoically and that defensive line is up so quickly. And when we're playing our best, you can strangle sides. We, we say this kind of periodically that the game's moved on, and it has, but... We were never able to beat New Zealand with that tactic. You know, we never even come close with those with those kind of tactics. You have got to go out and score tries, and he, I just think he's so conservative in uh, in defence that you need a real attacking option at fifteen. I mean, Hogs Hogs' defence isn't the strongest bit of his game, but like you said, you you've got to score tries to beat them. I think most people agree on that, um, and so you've got to look for the for the players that can create opportunities to put the lights. Stuart Hogg through a hole, give him half a gap, let him hit the hit the afterburners, and then hopefully he does the does the damage. Personally, I don't think that New Zealand will be that worried about seeing Halfpenny line up at fifteen. No. They'll go, okay, right. Well, they may not be worried, but they'll know that he'll be in the right positions at the right times. They'll certainly target Hogg. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think I think they will. And but doesn't, there you are... also, they'll also be wary of going. Well, hang on, if we target this guy too much, and we don't pull one of these off. There is the danger he can hurt you, and that's it. And that's seven points. But if it, but there's just not that from Halfpenny of late. Yeah, no, I agree. But if it was, if it was Halfpenny of fifteen, the out, there are outside backs that are, you know, f- that are better than what we've got. So that combination, I think, I think could work well. And it's not only him that can score tries. I mean, Ireland beat them by by being very, very direct. Mm. They scored tries, but you can still score tries by being direct. And then when it's on, you, you, you're shipping it out. This um, is, yeah, this is a good point on on the game plan because mm. you look at that 
that squad it's massively physical as you know as I think it has to be up front mm. but then you've also got a pretty powerful back line on the whole you know with the exception of a few of the, the players in the back three that is presumably going to be the game plan isn't it it to be really direct well yeah looking at the looking at the the tens we've got they're all defensively very very strong aren't they they're all good kickers um you know scrummaging we're going to be very very tight i think i think we're going to play play a power game pretty much and um set piece you know keep the set piece strong good kicking and um and literally only go only only go when it's on. And I think the centres in particular is is if you look at that and go, right, Jonathan Davis, Robbie Henshaw, Ben Teo, Jared Payne are all yeah. defensively very strong and very physical players. Jonathan Joseph is the one who's a bit silkier, but again, defensively actually he's very He was excellent against Argentina in the autumn. Yeah. I was about to bring that up, yeah, because Daly obviously <clears throat> went off and they essentially left him to cover yeah. the outside centre yeah. and a wing, and he did that on his own. Um he was Positionally very good, covered a lot of ground there and, and did an excellent job. I think it's an underrated bit of his game. Yeah, he's not the biggest or phys- most physical, but he doesn't do a lot wrong in defence. He did reads you, it well, doesn't he? Yeah. And did you see his pass on the weekend for the try? Yeah. 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 He's a really high quality player and all this chat this week about Gatlin not selecting him. Gatlin's been singing his praises for six yeah. months. It was total nonsense. That's something I want to get your guys' thoughts on because the last couple of days we've been throwing red herrings left, <laughs> right and centre of Jamie Roberts is going and John and Joseph staying at home and Blevin Bowen's going all of a sudden. Like <laughs> You know, there's all of these bizarre calls coming out of Keith Earls, Keith all, Earls these, all these kind of strange calls. Where's all this coming from? So, I mean, I for one am delighted that they were proven wrong because mm. I think one of the things that I really value on the Lions too is that sort of trust and sanctity of the team Yeah, I agree. and the yeah. fact that some of those big newspapers this morning were proven wrong is fantastic we know where it's all probably come from someone's seen someone being picked up in a Range Rover from a training ground and assumed they're off to the, to the, uh, to the Lions uh, do but we know it doesn't work like that and it's just for me absolutely fantastic that they got it so wrong last night do you think they have to check for, for, for bugs in the in the rooms they're meeting? I mean, do you reckon they'll have to have a little scout around? Have you check? been watching right, that? Five, <clears> I was going to say, have you been watching that documentary about the KGB? That's <laughs> no, but I mean, <laughs> that information is so I important, isn't it? Point, yeah. I, I wouldn't be at all surprised. It happened to the Bledsloe, didn't it? Did, it did, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. There's, a bit, there's yeah. a bit previous there. Yeah, well, it must oh, be, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it is exciting, though, isn't it, when, yeah. when little leaks, you know, if, if they're not true, anyway, pop out. Oh, yeah, yeah, go on. What's going on? I mean, it, it probably is the likes of Sky and stuff sort of trying to hype up the, the announcement with things like um, <laughs> things like the Jamie Roberts announcement, but I, I do love the idea that there's someone like Mike Phillips sat at home absolutely <laughs> pissing himself because he's leaked it out to someone and Jamie Roberts is just going around his business on Wednesday and his phone's absolutely started blowing up because... Uh, because one of his mates or one of the players or something's leaked it that he's he's getting in. It's quite it's quite nice to uh, to think in that regard. A really interesting point I think you've touched on there, Dav, is the the kind of the solidarity of the mm. team, and we've <clears throat> seen it go right and go wrong on Lions tours gone by. Mm. I think you know particularly 2009, it seemed to be an incredibly strong team unit, and you know 2013 was strong enough to to get past all the press fury over the over the Driscoll dropping. You go back to 2005, and one of the big criticisms was that was one that Woodward picked a big squad, but more importantly that he split the midweek team 
and the, the test side. And that, for me, I think is quite an important side. I think everyone's got to go there thinking that they have the opportunity to become a, a test lion. I totally agree. And I think the thing that came out loud and clear today is they haven't picked the starting 15 yet. And mm. whereas last time there were some names in that squad who were never, ever going to start, even when we won a tour, I think this time, actually, there's genuine competition. And I think the other thing that's fantastic is when you look at it, there's lots and lots of common ground between the players. So, you know... Bobby Arty played England 20s with Noel and Watson, so they know each oh, other. We don't talk about that. You know, you've got the Savage boys who are going to obviously bring a lot of the banter from their, uh, from their <laughs> the wolf pack. But, you know, they, and then obviously you've got the link with things that people like Toby Fallatow yeah, and obviously Liam Williams going yeah. to Sally. So yeah. I think, you know, it feels like a good unit this time. Okay. What do you, what do you think, Ollie? Plenty of good tourers in there? Yeah, I think there's a few, isn't there? Like you said, there's. There's a sort of bit of common ground there. Um, That'll be Gatland on the phone to uh, <laughs> Dan Kill it. Yeah, getting late. I've been trying you all day and I can't get through. If uh, if phoning <laughs> Dan Killick is anything like the like what I know it to be, sorry, I've gone good tourist. No, that's right. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I, I think there's um, I think there's a nice mix of players and stuff there. I mean, I think we'll come on to the schedule in a minute. The hard bit's just getting them all together quickly mm. enough, isn't it? Um, that's the, I, I think that's the real challenge, and obviously where. The, the coaching team because they're all pretty experienced having been on Lions tours before that's where their strength will lie how you get these guys to come together as a squad and a sort of team quickly enough I think Gatland has his his critics you know many of them in Wales because we you know do love a, a gripe about a head coach but one thing I think he's always done very well is is he's been able to assemble a good team. He did it in 2011. You know, we, if you remember how what Wales were playing like prior to the 2011 World Cup, no one would have thought that we'd make the we'd make the semi-finals of that. I think he did a really good job in 2015 in, in difficult circumstances with losing a lot of key players um, in the warm-up and during the tournament. And I think he did it with the Lions in 2013 as well. So that's but, something again that I think is is a and, positive. And it started in 2008, didn't it? First game in charge of Wales. We'd just been dumped out of the World Cup. He picks 13 Ospreys mm. in the starting lineup just to have that um, understanding between them. And as the tournament went on, then he starts bringing players in from other clubs to actually start bolstering yeah. that. And I think if you think about that, all the arguments about too many Welsh players or not, the first game we have on this tour is the, is the probably the easiest game. We can't afford a slip-up. There'll be a lot of Welsh boys starting that game. Well, this is an interesting <clears throat> point, actually. This is something Ollie mentioned to me off-air. It's kind of moving on to the schedule... Which chaps you'll notice I've actually printed out. I've done a little bit of, yeah, how about that? It's not often you get proper preparation on this podcast. But something Ollie's pointed out is the way that the Pro 12 and the Aviva Premiership finals fall is that it's going to make it very, very difficult for that team to fly out together. You know, if you're presuming that Saracens are going to feature. Well, they can't, can they? That's, that's For that first game, there's no way they're all out there. So the the reality is, yeah. and we were kind of chatting through this, if we work on the basis that it's going to be two Irish sides against each other in the Pro 12, and um, might be wrong, but, you know, yeah. history and, and form would probably suggest that. And then Saracens will definitely feature in there. Versus Wasps. Right? Yeah, probably versus yeah. Wasps. You suddenly look at it and go, OK, right, well, you're missing from that line, you know, from that initial, from that initial first game. Uh, you're not going to have Furlong, you're not going to have uh, McGrath. You're not going to have Mako Vinopola. You're not going to have Jamie George. You're not going to have Itoji. Um, Alan Jones is likely to still be injured, probably. You're not going to have George Cruz. You're not going to have 
O'Brien, O'Mani, Stander, Billy Vanapola, no Connor Murray, uh, no Owen Farrell, Johnny Sexton, <laughs> Johnny Sexton, no Robbie Henshaw, no who else have I missed out of that? But do you know what I you get? Probably, yeah. But by default, do you know what you do have? Is mm. You've still got combinations. Yeah, strong mm. And you've got combinations there. Mm. You've got Marlowe and Sinclair, yep. both from play for Harlequins together. Dan Cole, a previous tourist. Best is going to try and get over his demons from his last Lions debut. So yeah. he's, he's at that hooker and you've got Ken Owens. So to, to be fair, I think I've, I've never been a massive Best fan, but I think he has improved no end yes, in four yeah. years because he fell to pieces last time around. Yeah. But I think we've got I think we've got a really strong team actually for that first game. And there's a lot of people there who know each other. You've had the Welsh back row potentially in that match. You could have the Welsh half backs. So actually there'll be a lot of commonality there. Do you reckon that's yeah. part of the reason that he's picked forty one this time rather than thirty seven, or do you just think it has got to that point now where we just do need more? It's the, brutal, isn't the, it? The thing that I think again, if you look back to the to the schedule, is you remember some of the pony games that we've played yeah. in the past two tours. You know, there's no northern counties combined select eleven really on this. The easiest game is probably New Zealand Barbarians being a, a bit of a scratch team. You've then got fully loaded Blues, Crusaders, Highlanders, the yes. unofficial force tests against the Maori. You've got fully loaded Chiefs. Then it's into um, the test matches. It's a ridiculous schedule. It's isn't hard, it? isn't it? That is proper That's hard. That's a great memory you said, isn't he? Yeah. Is. Well, you know, you know the famous aren't the All Blacks, they really do pull your pants down financially. <laughs> you know, they charge millions of pounds to turn up and beat you in at home. So you can imagine what they're charging the Lions to play down there. Yeah. It's on their terms, and clearly they they probably are looking for the whitewash ten nil. Yeah, I was talking to Jed about this before, though. And yeah. this, this this is what annoys me. Like between the the home nations or whatever, um, um, in terms of just trying to move the finals, do something. I mean, we know this tour's coming up, or or the Lions actually flexing their financial muscles. I mean, we're turning up with thirty thousand odd fans. It's just like. Move the tour back a week, guys, to th- New Zealand. I think that's the or, thing. You know, or we cannot play New Zealand barbarians. I mean, it, ultimately, it's just like no one wants to shorten the tour, but I mean, it's it's probably more skin off their nose than it is ours. As much as a lot is made about, you know, how relevant the Lions is in the professional era, this is this is a monster for, for New Zealand rugby. This is an yeah. absolute brilliant tour for them. They can market the hell out of it. As you know, every game will be sold out and... Really good TV viewing figures, and it's something you know in a in a rugby mad nation that they will be able to to really um, to really do a number on, and they get this opportunity once every twelve years. I think there is room to negotiate and go. We need a more accommodating schedule. That said, I like the fact that it's going to be tough tour games because I think it was really weakened in in Australia yeah. and South Africa. I mean, thirty thousand fans spending what I did in Australia last time. Yeah. They'll be richer than some of the Gulf states by the time they're <laughs> yeah. crikey. It's strong, yeah. So I think the the liner and the schedule is definitely one of the reasons why the the squad is is bigger this time around, in in my opinion. I don't think I don't think it's necessarily gonna gonna suffer from it, um, <clears throat> particularly though. One thing I was gonna say, and I we were saying this when we were picking our squads, is I didn't think there'd be a bolter into the squad and no one in that in that lineup is what I would call a, tra- a bolter in its traditional sense you know an uncapped wonder coming to prominence what do you, what do you think Ollie is there anyone in there you'd be able to class as a bolter 
Not really. Um, Jarrod Payne's the one I really didn't see coming. Mm. That was a big surprise. I mean, he is a good player. He's just... Well, I've not seen a lot of him recently. I think he's been injured, hasn't he? Um, so that was probably the one I didn't see coming as much. Um, I, I think the only... Uh, the, the, I mean, like you said, I mean, I think the days of there being like proper bolters and stuff are, are, are probably long gone now. But there are, I mean, particularly from the in England contingent, there's been a lot of noise made about the likes of Sinclair, uh, George, Teo, and stuff. And they're great, and they've been phenomenal off the bench for England, real impact and stuff. But those guys haven't started. I don't. I think Teo's got one start mm. in a Test match. The other two guys, I don't think, have started, even started a test match for England yet. So it's it's going to be a, a big ask for them to because they will have to start some games there and, and sort of see how they see how they go. I mean, I think they're capable. They're very capable players. That they're just the reality is they're quite they're still quite inexperienced at, at, at the top level. Do you they think are, that matters, Dan? They are bolters, though, aren't they? Sinclair and and. Uh... <clears throat> And George, really, it's just we've all we all know how good they are. So yeah. we've all thought they're going, but they're they don't have that much experience. Yeah, I think going. yeah, it depends what you define as a bolter. A bolter to me is someone who's come from nowhere, who's yeah. not had who's not had any test experience. Really, it hasn't happened since Will Greenwood in '97. So I think mm. reality is nowadays the amount of rugby we all watch it's unlikely, mm, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jared Payne, he's he's rated so highly, isn't he, by those players that play with him and the coaches. They really, they really hold him in in, in high esteem. So. And I think having beaten the All Blacks, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in you know, you said that obviously about a lot of the Irish players, yeah. but yeah. I think that's a, definitely a that's it's going to be it's going to be massively important, isn't it? Having those boys that that have beaten them, and also Farrell as well being involved in in two sides that have beaten the All Blacks, you know, yeah, you'll, you'll be taught, you'll be feeding that in, won't you, all the time, bringing that up, you know, what did it feel like? What did you do? You know, and yeah. I think the most, the most, one of the most exciting things for me today when I was looking through some of these quote-unquote bolters, you know, your Georges, your Sinclairs, etc. Actually, I know Ed, Eddie Jones calls them his finishers, but you mm. look at a potential bench, if you thought the Marler starts, you could have George, Ma, uh, Mako and Sinclair all coming off, off the bench on 60 minutes. Whoever doesn't start out of any of the back row options, whether it's Stander, Toby, um, Billy, whoever it is, coming off the bench with 20, 30 to go, all of a sudden, there's genuine depth yeah. there. And I think, you know, even someone like Teo, who doesn't start in many games, every time he came on for England in the Six he Nations, he yeah, made an yeah, impact. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing, if Wales had had any of that last summer against New Zealand, I think we'd have won one of the Test matches. We totally ran out of steam on 50 minutes. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing for me that really excites me. The actual impact of the bench some of these guys can make is just going to be phenomenal. Yeah, we've never had a squad like this, have we? No, yeah. I, think, uh, I think you're right. It does, it does really, you know, I think... Possibly, if you go back to it's hard to compare because '97 was a professional tour, but it was also just, about. just <laughs> and, and I think what the players who really shone on that were the players who've been playing league because totally. their fitness mm. and physicality was that much more. You know, the the Bentleys and even the Alan Tates and the Batemans; those players really shone across that, and Gibbs all kind of shone across that tour. And I think this time round. It's a, it's a completely different game to what we were playing in '97, so yeah, yeah it, it does it does feel like an incredibly strong squad. It would, however, be remiss to not mention Scotland. I mean, I, I do feel a bit for Scot Scottish fans here because it's it is hard to invest as much when you've only got two players on that tour and arguably two players without a massive chance of making the the squad. Do you feel a bit for for Scotland fans? I'm going to start with you, Dan, because I know uh, I know Dave's got some thoughts on this. 
Yeah, I do feel for them. I think what's massively <coughs> gone against them is the way that they completely fell apart against England. Um, if they'd been competitive in that game, I think we would have probably seen, um, well, certainly certainly one more name there. Richie Gray would have been there for sure. Um, Richie? Yeah, yeah, Richie, yeah. I think he's, 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 he's hard done by. But... Um, if you know, would you would you replace Richie for any one of those any one of those second rows? I I probably wouldn't. You know, um, I suppose the the flip side is that it is a professional tour. It should be a meritocracy, and you've got and we're not. You know, if we're playing South Africa, you could probably hand out a few caps just for the for the sake of because uh, they are crap. Um, <laughs> just to clarify on that point, just for the sake of you know um, bolstering up the Scottish numbers. But this is a really really tough tour, as we've mm. as we've said. I mean, Scotland played very well as a team, yeah, didn't they in that tournament? But in, individually, they were they were they played very well at home as a team. They away, play, they weren't great. They did play well at home. Collectively, they came together and they looked pretty sharp. But individually, like we, you know, Wales had you know we had some great performances from certain people, but together we weren't there. Mm. So I I don't think I don't think we we can they can argue really. That was your take. Two things killed Scotland for me: the the result in Twickenham, yeah. but also the injuries. I think if some of those guys hadn't gone down with injuries, you know, maybe Laidlaw, maybe Hugh Jones, there's a couple other people in with a shout. The reality is, and it's hard to hear. And look, if Wales have been in this position plenty of times before over the last sort of 30, 40 years, if you're not good enough, mm. you shouldn't go. We shouldn't be handing out one or two people on the tour just to keep the Scottish there. We want to go there as the British Lions and win. And Roundtree summed it up brilliantly today when he said, the minute you step on the plane, you're no longer Welsh, you're no longer Irish, no longer Scottish, you're a lion. And for me, to be honest with you, Wales were the, by far and away the, the lion's share of the players on the, on the last two and we won. We lost the one before and we had the same thing. In 97, there were more English players. Mm. I don't really care as long as we win. And so this the idea we have to hand caps out to make Scotland feel better or make Wales feel better or make England feel better is a nonsense. And you go back to the third test last time and everything that's been talked about, about Otto Driscoll's final test, mm-hmm. you've got to do it for some sort of memento, total nonsense, start the best player in the best position and win the test match. Ollie Deuce, you're the closest thing we've got to a Scotsman here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, when you look at the when you look at the sort of numbers in terms of who's going from what nation, it does look a bit skewed, doesn't it? But then you do start drilling down to the sort of individual like sort of level of it and the players and the positions they're playing in. And as we said, it, it, it's hard to make a case, isn't it, for anyone who's available at the moment and not injured to be in there ahead of anyone who's been been picked here. I think that's the, the sort of brutal truth of it. Um, I was at the England game um, where they... They felt a bit, yeah. basically, um, um, at Twickenham. Um, and it was disappointing to see because we were all in the pub, you know, like beforehand, quite excited about the game because actually at that point, Scotland was still in with mm. a, shout, a shout of winning the Six Nations. If they turned us over there, Italy in the last yeah, game, yeah, they, yeah. I mean, it, it, it would have thrown everything kind of wide open. Um, but they, they, yeah, I mean, they, they really didn't step up there. Their weakness, I think, they just, they haven't quite had the physicality in the pack. They've got some incredible backs when they got the ball and they're going forward and stuff and it you know you, you can sort of play the uh, you know what if we you know Finn Russell was able to play behind a massive pack that are going forward and all the rest of it but for the record like, that's the one I would take I would um, I would look at Finn Russell and go I'd take him over bigger at the moment I'd take him in the Wales side over bigger 
Yeah, I mean, it's, but again, that's that is. But I mean, I, I think Dav's made a really compelling argument that you have got to yeah, put, no, uh, put your loyalties to one side and and go with winners. They talked about winners yeah. mm. last. Wales have been consistently the most successful team in the Six Nations the past four years. They won in 2013. They've come second, third, second, and then this year obviously not as good. But the guys, the performances this year actually I felt were really encouraging. Wales actually played some rugby and got unlucky in a couple of games. Whereas Scotland, you know, that same group of players, albeit they're on all, all, all-time high this year, mm. have not delivered. A couple of them do at Glasgow, but it's a totally different league here. And I think yeah. that's the reality of where they are. It is, but it's the same Welsh side that hasn't come close to being New Zealand over over that period of time, as we kind of said earlier. So, I don't know. I mean, I've, we're probably going off on a sidetrack here, but I, I didn't see that much to be encouraged by, by Wales during the Six Nations. Whereas I thought there were pockets of what Scotland did that you could take something out of and I think a player like Finn Russell just does add a bit it's clear what Gatlin's game plan is going to be here but I thought it would offer you something completely different even if only for the midweek games or going in you know thinking he might only be midweek games with a view to having a blinder and, and getting close to it I don't know he's just a player who's completely different I mean big, big as the conservative choice there isn't he is you mm. sort of back up if you like tear or sort of maybe third choice 10 there um if you want to roll the dice a bit, maybe you do go Finn Russell or, or, or George Ford. But I mean, I mean, there are pros and cons on all fronts there, and that yeah. that, that probably is a you know who, who's your that's personal preference thing, really, isn't it? About how how you want to how you want to approach it. I think it's the defensive frailties, isn't it? That he that he's afraid of. Gatland, mm. you know, um, Ford makes Ford can't really defend, and uh, the boy in the, in the in the ten shirt for Scotland. Makes uh, makes mistakes as well, doesn't he? And you know, bigger rarely makes a mistake. Owen Fowle rarely mis- makes a mistake, and so and so does Johnny Sexton. So he's gone conservative, and they're all boys that back themselves. They they're, they're super confident, and um, you need that, don't you? In your tens, it would have been lovely to have seen an out and out magician at ten. Yeah, but against against New Zealand, whether it be a club side or you know or their international side, can we afford to to, to risk that? Probably not. Do you know what? I I think uh, to come to concentrate on tens just for a bit to finish, I think Sexton's kind of undersold quite a lot. I think people seem to think he's a he's a very straightforward kick in ten. I think he's got a lot more I think he's got a lot more up his sleeve than that. He might not have out and out gas, but I think he always gets the best out of what's outside of him. And um, and I thought that showed in, in twenty thirteen too how much Freer did those those Welsh centres look in the in the third test having yeah. a having a an outside half like Johnny Sexton? I thought he he really kind of bought what was good outside of him. And let's let's be clear, we're not going to outplay Bowden Barrett yeah. as a rugby yeah. ten. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we need to be you know, razor sharp defensively and also put him under pressure. And the one thing all all those tens have in common, they got a fantastic tactical kicking game. Yeah. So kick deep, put pressure on him. He's not a great place kicker, Barrett. So if you can put pressure on him, especially in defence, you know there could be an opportunity yeah. there. They're all ultra competitive as well. They, every yeah. single one of those hates losing. You, yeah. they, they are, they're literally, you know, you can see them spitting feathers. And I'm not, I'm not saying that George Ford or, or um, I can't remember, his, his, Finn Russell or Finn Russell, um, you know, aren't. But they're not in the same league in terms of that sort of aggression that bigger Farrell and Sexton have. So, okay. I think the other thing is. You know, like I say, we're doing this some few hours, a few too many hours after the announcement, Dan arriving late as usual. 
the thing is there's a fair amount of rugby to be played between now and the start of the tour and then you've got these incredibly hard tour games so there's going to be a number of people into the mix who we don't even know yet who are going to be who are going to be out there pulling on a red jersey at some point so fairly exciting yeah one point to finish on and I think Dav made a really interesting point when it comes to the the whole kind of putting your your usual national allegiances to one side I think that's a massively important a massively important point I think it's really important that, that all kind of supporters get behind get behind the, the side you know yes would I like to see a lot of Welsh players in that first test yeah of course I would it'd be great but at the same time I only want to see them there if they deserve it it's, it's about whoever's pulling on that shirt representing the Lions rather than that. And I think what worries me is with social media being so prevalent now as it was four years ago is that it's very, very easy just to sit there and bark at one another. And I think really what I'd love to see is people kind of pulling together on it rather than squabbling with squabbling with your people who are usually your rivals and looking at the greater enemy here that is you know that is New Zealand then you want to go over there and win that win that series you're calling a social media blackout now then I'm not calling a social media blackout I'm just saying that you know we um it's a good point yeah we should harness the power of four am I right Ollie get the anthem (laughs) absolutely someone sent me a link to that actually the anthem it was either today or yesterday it's all become a bit of a blur now honestly look it up it's (laughs) am I allowed to swear it's fucking awful it, it's unbelievable it's brilliant isn't it I, I couldn't tell you I don't think anyone I, mean, I, I was out in those five on the tour yeah. and to be fair did, to did they, they stand up and try and sing it as an yeah. anthem well they, they played it and they stood there as an anthem I don't think any of the players probably <laughs> tried to sing I mean no one knew the words and to be fair to the Kiwis because I do the same they were sticking it into us it's like come on lads sing up it's like no one's got blooming clue have they what the the words but look look it up on YouTube I know. it's absolutely yeah, I'll do that absolutely it's hilarious They've managed to come up with a, an anthem there as well that doesn't even mention the lions in it as well, which is pretty impressive. So, um, Alistair Campbell as well. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's Alistair Campbell who's been leaking all of this stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. A uh, you know, big political uh, announcement from the Tories one day, lions leaking the next. Ooh, I don't know. Leave me out of it. <laughs> right. That pretty much brings us to, uh, to the end of part one. Um, as we finish talking about social media squabbling, feel free to squabble with us uh, at Attacking Scrum or on Facebook by searching Attacking Scrum. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll love to get, um, to get your thoughts on the matter. So thanks to everyone who, um, who chipped in earlier on today. Loads coming up in part two and we'll speak to you shortly. And for the Lions, Ryan Jones after just the one performance. Song, Mark Burrows.
Social Podcast Network.